Welcome to Arbel Ministries podcast with Mark Whitehead. As we've been going through the last several chapters of the book of Numbers together, we've seen a lot of condemnation of the leadership uh, that God had set in place for the Israelites by, by his people. Uh, in short, they wanted to do things their way rather than God's way. So, As we reach Numbers chapter 18, God adds additional responsibilities to the priests and Levites. But here's the thing. He also promises additional blessings to them. We're going to see that today as we look at Numbers chapter 18 together. Let's just begin by reading the very first verse. So the Lord said to Aaron, You and your sons and your father's households with you shall bear the guilt in connection with the sanctuary, and you and your sons with you shall bear the guilt in connection with your priesthood. So first of all, there are only two places in all of Scripture that God addresses Aaron without including Moses. We see that right here in Numbers 18.1, And the other place is back in Leviticus chapter 10, verse 8. So why is God only addressing Aaron here in Numbers 18? Aaron's the high priest. God has just shown all the Israelites that Aaron was the chosen priest by making his rod bud, if if you remember Numbers 17. Now, God wanted to give him some instructions. And the first thing he tells Aaron is that he and his family will bear any guilt associated with the offenses against the sanctuary. See, God had entrusted Aaron with a job of leadership. So Aaron would be responsible if those under his leadership did not obey. Does that seem fair to you? Is it fair that Aaron would bear the guilt of the people that decided not to obey God? I mean, the people have free will, right? So how is it fair that Aaron would be held accountable if they decided not to obey the Lord's instructions? Our world isn't real big on accountability. But here's the thing. The Lord has made it clear over and over in his word that he is. Let's let's look at some New Testament scriptures about accountability. And I think that's going to help us see God's perspective on how he views this. James chapter 3 verse 1 says this. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. So just like the priests would be held accountable for the obedience of those they taught God's instructions to in Numbers chapter 18, 
we see that same principle in the New Testament. You know, I love teaching. I hope you hear that passion as you listen to these podcasts. I love it. But I also know that God holds those leading others to a higher accountability, to a higher standard. So I take my job at pouring into others very, very seriously. And you might be saying, well, I'm sure glad God hasn't called me to lead others by starting a podcast, or I'm I'm glad God hasn't called me to teach a Sunday school class or a Wednesday night class. I'm glad He's called other people to do that. But I think God is clear in His Word that He's given the job to every believer to teach and build others in the faith. If you're listening, you may have some children or a child at home. God has given you the task of teaching your child or teaching your children the ways of the Lord. How are you doing with that calling? There is a day coming that we will all be held accountable for what we have and have not taught those God has entrusted to us. That might mean your children. That might mean your grandchildren. That might mean friends that God has placed around you or co-workers. Understand, God doesn't make accidents. He has you where you are for a reason. He's given you children, grandchildren, maybe even great-grandchildren for a reason. How are you doing investing and teaching those that He's placed in your path? Let's look at another verse or two verses actually in Scripture here in Luke chapter 12. Luke 12 verses 47 and 48. Here's what it says. And that slave who knew his master's will and did not get ready or act in accord with his will will receive many lashes. But the one who did not know it and committed deeds worthy of a flogging will receive but few. From everyone who has been given much, much will be required. And to whom they entrusted much, of him they will ask all the more. How much of God's Word do you have hidden in your heart right now? How much time have you spent in His words, in His Word over the years? How much time have you spent in His Word this past week or maybe today? Let me tell you, I love studying God's Word. I I look forward to my time with Him as much as anything else I do. Since God is big on accountability, He gives us this warning. See, as He entrusts us with more and more truth from His Word, we will be held accountable for living it out. See, our text in Numbers 18, the priests knew God's instructions. Do you think God would just give them a free pass if they didn't follow His instructions? 
Of course not. See, as his priests, they were the representatives to God, to, to the people of what God is like. If the people wanted to see what God is like, what he's instructing them to do, do you know who they turned to? The priests. And you know, the same is true with us. We are the representatives of God to an unbelieving world. So he wants to be represented accurately. Our job is to live out what he has instructed us so that others will see what our God is like. So if you spent a lot of time in his word, maybe you've gone to church for years and years and years and you hear sermon after sermon and you hear Sunday school class after Sunday school class and he has entrusted to you a lot of his word. Know that it's your job to live it out. Not just to keep learning more and more instructions, but to actually live out what you've learned. Romans 14, 12 says this, So then each one of us will give an account of himself to God. There is a day coming where we will all give an account for what he's entrusted. Listen to how what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 10. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may be recompensed for his deeds in the body, according to what he has done, whether good or bad. There is a day coming when each of us will stand before the Lord and give an account. That fact should shape how I live today. It should shape how you live today. Because just like the priests in Numbers 18, God is going to hold us accountable for what he's entrusted to us. Live for that day. Because that day will become a reality. Look with me back in Numbers 18. Verse 2 says this, But bring with you also your brothers, the tribe of Levi, the tribe of your father, that they may be joined with you and serve you while you and your sons with you are before the tent of the testimony. And then look at verses 6 and 7. Behold, I myself have taken your fellow Levites from among the sons of Israel. They are a gift to you, dedicated to the Lord, to perform the service for the tent of meeting. But you and your sons with you shall attend to your priesthood for everything concerning the altar and inside the veil. And you are to perform service. I am giving you the priesthood as a bestowed service. But the outsider who comes near shall be put to death. The tribe of Levi, it says, was a gift to Aaron. The tribe of Levi was a gift to the priesthood. Now, we've discussed this principle before, but it's too big not to discuss again. Understand, every person in every tribe had a job to do. Now, most of those jobs were behind the scenes. 
there were very few priests that worshipped before the people that led worship compared to the total number of Israelites. But everybody had a role to play. Listen to 1 Corinthians 12, verses 4 to 7. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them, in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. The Levites were a gift to the priesthood. They were not priests. They were not front and center when it came to worship. Instead, they were the ones whose hard work made worship possible. They were, the Hebrew word, is a mish- they were a misharet. They were the ones behind the scenes doing things that other people might not want to do so that kingdom work could be done. Maybe God has not given you the role of a pastor. Maybe he hasn't given you the role of a Sunday school teacher or a worship leader. Listen, that's okay. But you need to understand that he has still given you a role. Just like he gave every Israelite a role to play. And he's gifted you differently than others. He knew the role he was going to give to you, so he gifted you strategically so that you could fulfill the role he was going to give for you. And each of us are given different assignments by our Lord. My guess is if you're listening to this podcast, God did not give you the assignment to start a podcast teaching. But what assignment has he given you? What assignment has he said, this is what I have for him or her? And are you fulfilling the jobs that God has given you? Just like the Levites, the role of each of us is to understand our role as a gift to our leaders. Understand the priests should have had an easier job because the Levites were busy working on their behalf, not a harder job. You see why Korah's rebellion that we discussed previously was such a big deal. Korah was to be someone to come alongside the priesthood and make the job easier on the priesthood, not make it harder. Does your pastor... Does your preacher, do the leaders of your church have an easier job today because of you? Or do you make his job harder? See, are are you using your gifts in your church body in such a way that you are a gift and a blessing to your church? Or are you not even using your gifts and hindering the work being done 
because you're not actively using your gifts? I think that's a big question. We are to be a gift to our churches, not a hindrance. Verses 8 through 20 of Numbers 18, God tells Aaron that he and his family may share in the offerings that are presented to God. This is something that when I taught through Leviticus, we talked about extensively for those that were under my teaching at that time. There are all kinds of offerings, and we don't have time in this specific podcast to go through them. But when people brought grain offerings and sin offerings and guilt offerings, God says, I want the priests to eat a portion of those offerings. Not only that, God said, when people bring first fruits, I want the priest to eat them. And so God wanted to take care of the people he had put in charge of his service. I want you to hear what he says about this. Look at verse 19. Numbers 18, verse 19. Here's what it says. All the offerings of the holy gifts, which the sons of Israel offer to the Lord, I have given to you and your sons and your daughters with you as a, listen, perpetual allotment. It is an everlasting covenant of salt before the Lord to you and your descendants with you. An everlasting covenant of salt. What in the world does that mean? Well, it's true that salt is a pure compound. Maybe God is saying that this is a pure covenant. Some scholars say that that's why he used the covenant of salt. Maybe. Well, maybe God is saying that this covenant will endure, endure forever, just like it's a preservative. Salt's a preservative that makes things endure. Well, maybe that's why he calls it a covenant of salt. That's possible. But there's one more thing that you might not know. See, there was a custom at this time in which a bond of friendship was established by eating salt. It was said that if you ate another man's salt, you were his friend for life. So I wonder if God is inviting the priesthood to eat of his salt as they partake in the offerings dedicated to him. I wonder if he's inviting them into this bond of a lifelong friendship as he says, you know what? This is my covenant of salt to you. Because that's the exact language he uses. A language of that time period. Now look with me at verse 20. Here's what it says. Then the Lord said to Aaron, You have no inheritance in their land, nor own any portion among them. I am your portion and your inheritance among the sons of Israel. Let me tell you a story about Gunther. Gunther didn't deserve it. But Gunther got it anyway. 
Carlotta died in 1991, and Gunther inherited a fortune. How much? Well, at the time, in 1991, it was somewhere around $100 million. Today, Gunther has over $400 million. And because of that inheritance, Gunther now owns a Miami mansion that once belonged to Madonna. He also owns a villa in the Bahamas. He has a chauffeur-driven limousine. He, he has a personal maid. He has a butler that cater to his every need. Gunther eats steak and caviar virtually every meal. What a life. Oh, did I mention Gunther is a dog? He's a German shepherd. Can I be honest with you for a minute? As I read this story, as I read this story, I, I became very convicted because was this why Carlotta worked so hard her entire life? Is this why Carlotta worked for all that money her entire life so she could leave her possessions to a dog? Now, I love dogs. I have a dog. But I hope you hear my heart here. See, one day... I will not be here anymore. The question is this. What will the inheritance that I pass along look like? I mean, am I working day after day after day to pass along earthly wealth? Or am I investing my life in a way in which the inheritance that I leave is eternal? Am I living my life and investing in my kids and investing in others in such a way that their inheritance is something that will last forever? See, in Numbers 18, God told Aaron that he was not getting any inheritance of land. Actually, he wasn't going to own any land at all. The reason was that God was Aaron's inheritance. And I don't know if that hits you like it does me, but in Scripture, the priest's inheritance was God and God alone. That was the inheritance. That's amazing news if you're a believer in Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 2 says that we are His priests. And if that's true, then our inheritance is God Himself. See, land, money, possessions, they don't really belong to us. They're all God's. And God entrusts those things with us while we're here. But they don't really belong to us. James 1, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good thing given and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shifting shadow. Our Heavenly Father has already given me the greatest inheritance in the universe. And it may not be $400 million like Gunther has. I may not have a mansion once owned by Madonna. But listen, there is something way more valuable than what Gunther has. I have God. 
He's my inheritance. All of Him. And it's my job to live my life in such a way that points my kids and those people around me to the most amazing inheritance anyone could ask for. I have to ask myself, does that truly drive me every day? It should. Does that drive you every day? Are you passing down an eternal inheritance to those God has given you? Or are you too busy trying to get earthly things built up? As we finish Numbers 18, we're going to address everyone's favorite topic. (laughs) That's just where we are. When I teach, I believe in going through the Bible and you hit topics that step on everybody's toes and you hit topics that aren't always fun to talk about. Verses 21 to 32 in Numbers 18, talk about giving, talk about money. It discusses this idea of tithing. So we're going to finish our podcast going through this concept. The Hebrew word, For tithe, ma'asar, it means a tenth part of. So the people were to bring a tenth of their income, and it says in the text, give it to the Levites. Now understand that money was God's, right? I mean, he was giving it to the Levites to support them. And if someone did not give their tithe, They weren't robbing the Levites. They were robbing God. Look at Malachi chapter 3, verses 8 through 10. If someone didn't give their tithe, God didn't say, oh, you're robbing the Levites. I don't know how they're going to do their job if you don't pay your tithes. No, you're robbing God himself. And it's God gifting it to the Levites. Now we see an important concept in verse 21. Look at that with me. Here's what it says. To the sons of Levi... Behold, I have given all the tithe in Israel for an inheritance. In return for their service which they perform, the service of the tent of meeting. Let me ask you a question. Was the tithe given to the Levites a gift or a wage? And you may think, oh, God gave it to them. God's a good God. He must be gifting them this tithe. But that's not what he says. God says the Levites earned the money because of the service they performed. It was a wage. Now, why does that matter? In 1 Corinthians 9, Paul says this, Don't you know that those who serve in the temple get their food from the temple? And that those who serve at the altar share in what is offered on the altar? He's going straight back to Numbers 18. Don't you understand? The Levites are getting their food from the offerings. The Levites are getting their money from the people. But listen to the end of this verse. In the same way, the Lord has commanded that those who preach the gospel should receive their living from the gospel. So Paul's directly referencing the Levites in this passage in the very same way that God took care of the Levites for being his servants in worship. God 
has commanded that people that preach the gospel be cared for by those they are investing in. If you're not tithing to your local body, understand you are robbing the Lord. Maybe you don't care about your preacher's preaching style. Maybe you don't care for how he's leading right now the church. Understand that's no excuse. Your tithe are not for him. Your tithe are for the Lord. And he has called every believer to give back a portion of what he's entrusted to us for the work of the kingdom. Don't rob God. And the end of the chapter tells us that the Levites were not exempt from tithing. Just so you know, they were to give 10% of what they brought in to the priests. Pastors aren't exempt from tithing today. Well, I want to close with this thought. As we're talking about tithing, as we're talking about giving, I think this is incredibly important. I don't think it's talked about enough. I know preachers and pastors have a hard time sometimes talking about giving because they don't want to be that one that feels like they're trying to beat down on people all the time about money. But are you personally, are you a generous giver? And are you a cheerful giver? One last verse that I want us to wrestle with. 2 Corinthians 9, verses 6 and 7. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. God loves a cheerful giver. Let me ask you a question. I haven't thought about this in great detail just until just recently as I've been wrestling with this thought on tithing. Was a tithe all God required an Israelite to give in the Old Testament? The answer is no. They were also to give their first fruits. That's Numbers 18, verse 12. So when they had a new crop, guess what? First fruits went to God. What if there's not any behind that first set of crops? Well, you got to trust God. Give Him your first fruits. You didn't stop there, though. The firstborn of your flocks or herds, Numbers 18, 15, also go to the Lord. Then they were to give a portion of their field to the poor, Leviticus 19. Every year, they were required to give a Passover sacrifice, Exodus 12. They were called to give a temple tax, Nehemiah 10. They were called to give free will offerings. They were called to give on special projects like the temple. I tell you that. You're like, what is your point? See, we can pat ourselves on the back and feel like we're doing great things by giving a small portion of our income. But as we read scripture, we see followers of God were not simply called to give God 10% and check it off a list. That's not the end all be all. God wanted all of his people. And God hasn't changed. 
He wants all of me, not just 10% of my income. He wants every bit of me. He wants all of me. And the same is true for you. My question is this. Does he have all of you? So as we recap this podcast, let me ask you, what are you doing with the things God has entrusted to you? Accountability is coming. A day of judgment is coming. I'm not trying to scare you. This is not some sort of fear tactic. But understand that if we know that day's coming, it should change how we live today. You will be held accountable. Know your gifts and use your gifts. Second, are you a gift to the leaders God has given you? Do you look for ways to help and encourage them? Do you look for ways to be a servant in your local body? Do you look for ways to use your spiritual gifts? We're called to be a gift to our leaders. Does that describe you? Third, understand if you're a believer in Jesus, God is your inheritance. Don't live for things of this world. We have an enemy that wants us to live for here and now. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on the heavenly prize and live for that day. And last, understand God makes it perfectly clear that he wants all of you, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Luke 10, 27. Does he have all of you? As always, I just want to thank you so much for listening to this podcast. There's so many other things you could be listening to right now. Thank you so much for choosing to listen listen to these podcasts. My prayer is, this is not just a teaching, but it's something that God grabs your heart with, and He molds you, and He shapes you with. My prayer is that it changes you. I love to hear stories about how God is using any of these podcasts in your life. You don't know how much it encourages me. If you'd like to reach out to me, my Twitter handle is at Arbel Ministries, or you can contact me through uh, email, Ministries at gmail.com. I'd love to hear your stories. Thank you so much again for listening, and I look forward to our next time together.